Time for our second Bible reading, and we'll continue from the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 24 to 41. Uh, so on some of the Pew Bible on page 1122, or you can follow on the screen. John, chapter 9, verse 24. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, you're guilty. Your guilt remains. Amen. Thank you, Dahlia, for reading that uh, great part of the Bible so well. Uh, good morning, everyone, again. My name's Pete, one of the elders here. And it's my uh, great privilege to be continuing in, uh, I don't know about you, but what I found a really provocative series uh, from the Gospel of John, as we've heard Jesus say and claim the most remarkable things. And we'll hear him do the same again today. So let's pray and we'll hear this part of God's word together. Our Father in heaven, we pray again that you would open our eyes to Jesus. For some in the room today, perhaps for the very first time. Uh, for others of us, Father, we pray, would you open our eyes again that we may see Jesus as he truly is. Not a Jesus of our imagination, but a Jesus of reality and history and the one who rules the world. And we pray these things for his glory alone. Amen. Uh, friends, uh, you and I live in the age of the empty promise, uh, where much is claimed and little delivered, and where your best first response is to doubt what you hear, uh, whether from our Facebook feeds or our soon-to-be elected politicians, uh, from the news we read or the advertisers claim, uh, ours is a world of fake news and political spin 
and poetic license. And your best first response is to doubt what you hear. I remember reading a story recently. It went like this. A Florida couple arrested for selling tickets to heaven. And then here's how it went. A couple in Florida, uh, Tito and Amanda Watts, were arrested a few days ago for selling golden tickets to heaven uh, to, wait for it, hundreds of people. Uh, story goes on. Uh, they sold the tickets on the street for $99 a ticket, telling the buyers the tickets were made of gold and that each ticket reserved the buyer a spot in heaven. And then the story ends this way. Police said they confiscated over $10,000 in cash along with drug paraphernalia and a baby alligator. Uh, now, I've got to say, I have my doubts as to whether all of that story is true, but even if it's not, it's a perfect description of the world in which we live, don't you think? Ours is a world of golden tickets, great claims, and sadly, so often it seems, downright lies. I learned this the hard way just last year as I was nearly scammed thousands of dollars as I tried to sell my car. Uh, I put my car on the car sales website. <laughs> oh, we're very sad to see her go. She was a wonderful people mover. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, the expressions of interest came in and, and one person in particular was particularly keen. So keen, in fact, they said, they didn't even need to look at the car. The ad was enough. They were in. Let's do the deal. And so we began. Until this, they let me know that all they'd need was all of my bank details and a few thousand dollars to just help the transaction go through. And I'm embarrassed to admit, so keen was I to believe their claim that I nearly fell for it. And according to the government scam watch website, hundreds of others have. And see, that's the world we live in. A world where your best first response is to doubt what you hear. And the really important question is, in a world that works like that, what do you do with Jesus? And more to the point, what do you do with the claims he makes? about himself, about you, about what he alone can do for you. I mean, just take this one, this one claim alone. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And not just once, like it was a you know, slip of the tongue, like he wished he hadn't said it and he'd like to take it back. Now, as you've heard these last few weeks, and again today, again and again, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And what did he mean? He meant at least that he alone can make you see like you've never seen before. To see God himself like he's meant to be seen. To see yourself like you're meant to be seen to see this world like it's meant to be seen. I don't know about you, but it reminds me of that song from Aladdin. Uh, do you know the one? Perhaps if you've got kids or grandkids. There's Aladdin, magic carpet. There's Jasmine, castle wall. 
And Aladdin leans in and what does he sing? I can show you the world. Shining, shimmering, splendid. I can open your eyes. Take you wonder by wonder. But, but you see, the problem is, as much as Disney may try and very soon redigitize it, so, the, so perhaps we'll be convinced, it's simply not true. It's not real. And you see, in our passage this morning, that's exactly what Jesus says, isn't it? Even, only even more so. When it comes to God, when it comes to you, when it comes to your world, I alone can move you. From darkness to light, from blindness to sight, I am the light of the world. So you see, the question is, in a world like ours, where your best first response is to doubt what you hear, what do you do with a claim like that? And if not for yourself, then certainly for your non-Christian friends and family, what do you do for a claim like that? How is it any different to some promised golden ticket? The answer? John chapter 9. The part of the Bible we just had read. Why? Because that's why that part was written. As a sign to us and a sign to our friends that he really is who he says he is. Afterward, remember what John wrote in his purpose of the book. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. In other words, this was written to prove that he can do what he says he can do. Let's have a look at it again now. It'd be great if you had your Bibles open. John chapter 9. Our story begins with Jesus meeting a blind man. No ordinary blind man, do you notice, but a man blind from birth for whom nothing could be done. Uh, there was no way to heal. And Jesus sees him, did you notice? And after a, a fascinating little interaction about sin and suffering and who's to blame, Jesus again makes that claim. Did you see it? Verse 5. I am the light of the world. In other words, I can open your eyes. And then, what does he do? He proves he can. See it, verse 6? Having said this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. And how do those who knew him respond? Well, just as I suspect we would. They simply can't believe it. You see it there, verse 8. Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. And so they ask his story, and he tells his story. 
about the man and the mud and the eyes that now see. And they take him to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. Do you see it? And we're given this hint that it won't go well. Did you see it there, verse 14? Now on the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Now if you're new to the Christian message and and don't know much about the Pharisees, one thing you need to know is that they are all about the rules. As if, if you're going to be right with God, then rules are the way to do it. Keep the rules, get the God. Break the rules, lose the God. And of course, the actual Christian message is the exact opposite of that. Indeed, the Bible insists you can't keep the rules. That's why we need Jesus to do for us what we can't do, to pay the price for what we've done. Rules will never, ever make you right. No, it's only and always by trusting in him. But like so many in our world, the Pharisees don't see that. For, for them, it's all about the rules. And especially, it seems, the particular rule of no work on the Saturday Sabbath. Not even the work of making mud. And anyway, the Pharisees meet the man, you see it there, and they hear what Jesus has done, and they are far from impressed, and the argument begins. Although I wonder if you notice that right from the start, it's never about whether Jesus actually did the miracle. Right there from verse 15, everyone knows he did. Clearly Jesus did what they say he did. No, the argument is only about whether they'll accept it. Whether they'll accept the facts and accept the evidence or else close their eyes to protect their precious opinions. Uh, Former uh, President Barack Obama Uh, in his farewell address, uh, said this, Increasingly we become so secure in our bubbles that we accept only information that fits our opinions, whether true or false, instead of basing our opinions on the evidence that's there. More and more we choose to believe only what we already believe instead of going where the evidence points, believing what is actually real. And that's exactly what these Pharisees do, don't they? They squeeze their eyes shut and try to pretend the truth away. It reminds me of what my kids did when they were small. I would have this game where they'd close their eyes and try to pretend they can't be seen. Do you know this game? You can't see me. You know, come and find me. And with kids, it's kind of cute, and so of course you play along. But did you notice the blind man won't? 
He refuses to play the Pharisee's game. He spent a whole life blind and he's not going back. See it, verse 17? Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. In other words, he must have come from God. But still, you notice, the Pharisees won't have it. Despite the evidence, they have just confessed. Did you see it again? Verse 17. It was your eyes he opened. Yet still they refuse. Do you remember John chapter 1? The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness tries all it can to cover up that light. And so it is here. And after interrogating his parents again, you see that they turn again to him. And they even tell him, do you notice there, verse 24, what they want him to say. And yet what does he say, verse 25? He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Or, or jump down to verse 32. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. In other words, look at the evidence, the once blind man says. It is quite literally staring you in the face. You know, it's funny. Uh, so often it seems, uh, so many think, that if you want to follow Jesus, then you need to close your eyes. To close your eyes to what is true. Close your eyes to what is real. To believe in the absence of evidence, what, what you really shouldn't believe. It's a bit like um, that scene from Alice in Wonderland. I don't know if you know the one where, where the Queen tells Alice, Why sometimes I believe as, as many as six impossible things before breakfast. And it seems for many that's what believing in Jesus must be believing the impossible. In the absence of evidence. And yet, did you notice? That's the exact opposite of this man's experience. And I want to say the exact opposite of the Christian experience. The Christian belief in Jesus, the reason we live for him, it's not because we've closed our eyes to what is true and real. No, it's because our eyes are open. And the evidence screams. He really is who he says he is. You see, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he proved he is. He opened the blind man's eyes. And not just physically, did you notice? but spiritually too. Not just to see the world around him, the birds, the sky, the, the trees, but to see the one 
who made and rules it all. And I wonder, did you see it? The way the more the story goes on, the more his eyes are open to who Jesus really is. After, did you hear the way his descriptions of Jesus build, the more the story goes on? From verse 11, did you see it? The man they call Jesus. To verse 17, he is a prophet. To verse 33, he must have come from God. And finally, verse 38, do you see it there? After those awful religious elite cast him from their sight and the wonderful Lord Jesus seeks and finds him out, what does he say? Verse 38, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Just this week I heard the most powerful testimony from a girl at uni who from a very painful past at the hands of those who should have cared for her far better than they did had her eyes open to the one who is her Lord. And as she told her story, she spoke of the day when she stopped and opened a gospel. And do you know what she said? And I quote, It was like I'd been blind my whole life. And then he opened my eyes. And I was like, university student, I was like, Oh my, he did that for me. In other words, she said, Lord, I believe. And she worshipped him. Friends, in the world of golden tickets, where your best first response is to doubt what you hear, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he proves it's true. Not just physically, but spiritually too. And so how should we respond? I want to suggest three things, and they're there on your outlines. If you have them handy, they're there on your outlines. First, take care. For some of us in this room this morning, take care that you do not do what the Pharisees did and Obama described, and so many do. Take care you don't pre-decide who Jesus should be or Jesus must be instead of who he actually is. Take care. Because, you see, to close your eyes to him and to who he really is, to squeeze your eyes shut, as the Pharisees did, is to leave yourself blind to the kindness and goodness of God. And it's to leave you in your guilt and exposed to the judgment to come. See, that's what's happening there in that, that final little moment after the blind man worships. You see it there, verse 39? Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world. So the blind, like the blind man, will see. And those who see, or at least think they do, like the Pharisees, will become blind. And some Pharisees who were with them heard him say this and said, What? Are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind... You would not be guilty of sin. But now you claim you see, and that you see all there is. Your guilt remains. 
And so take care. Take care not to do what the Pharisees did, lest you will face what the Pharisees will. Take care. And take heart. For the many of us here who, just like the blind man, have had our eyes opened, take heart. What we believe is really real. What we know is truly true. No matter the world, how it mocks and it scoffs, we are right to follow the sign. As one author put it so brilliantly, and I love this, it says, Honest contemplation of the life and work of Jesus will lead the unbiased person to acknowledge he is who he says he is. It has always been the case that rational thought does not hinder belief in Jesus as the Son of God. This conclusion is the natural, normal outcome of any fair-minded appraisal. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he proved it's true. And so, friends, take heart. And finally... Rejoice. Just like this once blind man in the story, rejoice in worship of him. See, I don't know about you, I think some of the most wonderful uh, YouTube uh, videos I've ever seen are these ones of men and women uh, and boys and girls who for the very first time are able to hear. Uh, Thanks to medical science, cochlear implants, we get to watch them hear their very first sounds. And you see the wonder in their face and the joy in their eyes. And I think my very favourite are these ones that show their mothers with their kids. As these little beautiful kids, for the very first time, have their whole world changed by the voice of their mum. And it gets me every time. And... I think this should even more, shouldn't it? This should even more. As God does something even more profound for us. As he changes our world by the sound of his voice. As he opens our eyes so that we can see. So we can see our world like it's meant to be seen. And see ourselves like we're meant to be seen. And best of all, so we can see him like he's meant to be seen. What a gift. What a joy. What a reason to rejoice in him. Just as that wonderful hymn so many of us know says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Friends, in the world and golden tickets, where your best first response is to doubt what you hear, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he proves it's true. And so take care, take heart, and rejoice in worship of him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again so very, very much.
for all you have done for us in Christ. We thank you that he is the light of the world. We thank you for those of us who trust in him already. Our eyes are opened to what is true and real and right and especially to you. We pray for those friends amongst us, Father, who do not yet know you through the Lord Jesus Christ, that today you might open their eyes. We pray these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.